Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we have reason to give you honor and glory and praise. You are the one who gives us new life. You are the one who gives us hope in a hopeless world, peace in a chaotic and warlike world. God, you are the one who gives us forgiveness when we do not deserve it. God, we have reason to celebrate this morning, and we're so grateful to have that opportunity. We love you, Lord, and ask for your blessing here today. It's in your name we pray, and we all said, amen, amen. amen. Well, welcome again, church. I'm so glad that you're here uh, to worship with us on an Easter Sunday morning. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate it. Uh, we had a packed first service, and it's another one here today. It is awesome to be able to join together uh, with everybody, because look, today is a day of good news, is it not? I have the greatest news I could possibly give you. It is that Jesus Christ is not dead. He's alive. That the Son of God came to this planet. He suffered for our sins, but he did not stay dead. Today is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel. It is the good news that has transformed us and can transform anybody who puts their faith in him. Amen. And so look, we are joining together today with billions of other brothers and sisters in other countries and other time zones who are all celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ is alive today. It is good news for us, isn't it? Uh, but, but listen, it's only good news for you if you believe it. And I hope that's why you've come today and that's why we celebrate together and that's why if you're seeing people get excited about this, the only reason it or only way it brings joy to you or peace to you is when we believe that good news. And look, that is a choice that all of us have to make. Uh, I don't know if this happens to you, but I've noticed something about myself and maybe you struggle with this too, uh, but I am way more prone to believe bad news than good news. Has this ever happened to you? Where if I hear bad news, I almost instantly believe it, uh, and I assume it was probably going to happen to me. But if I hear good news, I tend to minimize it. Uh, like, think about the last time you found out that somebody said something bad about you, okay? Uh, somebody said something, their coworker said, I heard someone so said this about you. Right, they say something, right? Somebody posted something online, they said something about you. Uh, instantly, we don't go, oh, man, those people are terrible. We go, oh, man, I bet everybody thinks that. Right? We, we just kind of just spiral into a place where it's probably not just them, it's this other person. And what if everybody's and thinking, and I think they've, they've all been thinking of that. We don't even challenge it. We almost um, instantly just agree with it and go to the worst possible place. But contrast that if somebody says something good about you. Does this happen to you? Sometimes say somebody, somebody gives you a compliment and our instant reaction is, ah, well, I don't know if they really mean that. I don't know, if they knew me better, maybe they wouldn't say that. I don't know, maybe they just want something from me. They're just trying to flatter me. Instead of just accepting what they say, we almost instantly discount it. There's all those statistics that tell you if you're gonna tell somebody some bad news, you should tell them five good things for every one negative thing that you have to share with them. You ever heard that before? The numbers always go different whatever study is, but you've gotta say just a bunch more positive things to outweigh just one negative Common. So think about what that does to our souls. If all we're doing is hearing bad news and believing the bad news, but we don't believe the good news, well, that's going to send you into an anxiety spiral. And that's before you actually turned on the news, right? Because think about all the news that you and I hear. How much of the news that we hear is bad news? All of it, right? 
I mean, when you and I turn on the news, we, all we hear is bad news. It's the latest shooting. It's the latest tragedy. It's the latest assault. It's the, uh, the latest crisis. It's the, the latest disaster. And it's not just the local ones anymore. We're getting worldwide disasters. Any bad thing that can happen, we are hearing about all of it. We're not hearing all the good things that are happening. We're hearing all the bad things that happen. And this is almost constant in our lives. You get it when you turn on your television. You get it when you pick up your phone. You get it when, when you're, you're listening to the radio. You're, you're talking to other friends. You're, you're watching on social media. I mean, bad news just travels fast. Do you know that in Birmingham, we, made it a, we literally made it a city priority to prioritize bad news in this city? Did you remember this? If you're new to Birmingham, you might remember this. Vulcan, the, the statue who kind of looms over Birmingham, he didn't always hold an arrow. Do you remember what he used to hold? He used to hold a light bulb. And that light bulb was either red or green. And if it was red, it meant that somebody in the city of Birmingham had died in a traffic fatality that day. That is dark, people. <laughs> I lived in this town for a long time. I'm like, oh, no, it's the light. But literally, you could look up and see that light, and it was just bad news. And this has happened like almost every day in our city. And we thought it was normal. We hear this bad news all the time. And the result of that is inevitably anxiety. How can you not be anxious when we're constantly just looking for the next shoe to drop, the next bad thing to happen, the next crisis, the next terrible thing, the next somebody to say something bad about us? It puts us into a place of anxiety and fear. And there's no life there. You get crushed by it. But what if you could believe the good news? What if the news was so good that it outweighed all of not just the bad news, but even the bad news that could happen? What if you could truly rest in the good news of Jesus Christ? Well, that would actually bring peace to your life. I want to show you that in the scriptures this morning as we continue to celebrate. Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be. So grab your Bibles if you got them. Luke chapter 24, verse 36 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Uh, love hearing all you guys. You got your copy of God's Word. If you don't, I know we get a lot of visitors here today. Welcome. We're going to put it up on the screen uh, as well so you can see that with you or you can look on with somebody who's nearby. But Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 36. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Third gospel, New Testament. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Before I read the passage, a little bit of context. Uh, we have been walking with Jesus on this journey to and through the cross. So last Sunday, if you were here, we celebrated Palm Sunday. This is the day of the triumphal entry where Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. He is hailed by crowds saying, Hosanna, uh, just honor to the king, the king of Israel. But as the week goes on, things change. On Thursday, we celebrated Maundy Thursday. We came to the table. We celebrated the, the bread and the cup, God's body and blood that he gives to us at this table. He offers himself to us. And on Friday, we came in here and celebrated Good Friday, where the cross was front and center because this was the day of the crucifixion. Jesus Christ uh, was betrayed by one of his best friends, he was then uh, trumped up on false charges by the Jews, handed over to the Romans who executed him on a cross. And for hours on Friday, he would be tortured and then crucified. The most uh, barbaric uh, and torturous execution device they could find and left him up there until he died. And that is where we have been for a couple days now until Sunday morning. 
But on Sunday morning, the most amazing thing that has ever occurred, occurred. Jesus Christ rises from the grave. But the disciples do not know that yet. They're getting scattered reports uh, that Jesus is alive, but they don't know what to make of it. So they're all gathered together on a Sunday morning. They're still grief-stricken. They're confused. Uh, they feel uh, abandoned and alone. They don't know what to do. And look what happens in Luke 24, starting in verse 36. It says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. They were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you here anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. And then he said to them, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. I'll stop right there. I love this story because it is so real. Uh, and it really shows us what would happen if we had been in that room. The apostles are there and they are grief-stricken. They don't know what to do. And somehow Jesus is just there inside a room. They've got locked doors. Jesus just is there and they promptly freak out. They have no idea what to do with this. Jesus has never done anything like that before. He's just there. Furthermore, they saw him die. They know that he died. He died. He was placed in a tomb. Nobody doubts that he died. And so what's interesting here is that they don't instantly believe that he's actually risen from the grave. Did you catch that? The first thing they didn't say is like, hey, Jesus is back. As if they expected this to happen. He shows up and they're just waiting. They, they don't just believe. These are not gullible people. These are not credulous people. They don't know what to do with it. In fact, you see this all through the resurrection stories. Let me show you a couple more. Uh, this is in Luke chapter 24, verses 10 and 12. It says, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. He wouldn't buy it. And then look here in John. This is talking about the Thomas. Thomas was not here uh, in the, the passage we're talking about. It says, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, uh, in his hands, the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. He's not gonna do it. And then even in our passage, look at verse 37 and notice what it says there. Um, Actually, verse 41. Verse 41 says this. It says, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. They want to believe it. They want it to be true, but they're still disbelieving. They're like, how has this happened? 
How could this possibly have happened? And that, that may be your struggle this morning. You say, Adam, I would love for this to be true. I would love if this were real, but I just don't know if I can believe that. So they have a different idea. They said, well, maybe he's a ghost. Did you notice that? Uh, up, in, uh, up in the top, it says, well, they were frightened. Uh, verse 37, it says, and perhaps they saw a spirit. Now, ghost is a good guess, right? Most cultures at this time believed in ghosts in some way, shape, or form. And so it would have been natural to think, well, maybe Jesus is just a ghost. He's coming back to kind of give like a final message before he fades away. Uh, but ghost is something that, that they could maybe at least understand. And Jesus will have none of it. He says, you need to understand this. I am here and I am flesh and blood. He instantly says, hey, go t t touch my hands. Do you see me? I have flesh and bones. Ghosts don't have flesh and bones. Touch, touch my hands and see. It's really me. I'm not an imposter. See where the nails were. And then just to make his point, he says, he, he says you guys got anything to eat? And they give him a piece of broiled fish. Now, I don't know about you, but after a hard day of resurrecting, I like something a little bit more substantial than broiled fish. But it's all they had. And so they give him broiled fish and he eats it so they can see. It doesn't just like, whoop, like pop out of him like Casper, right? You know, he's like, I'm real. You've seen me eat a thousand times. I am actually flesh and blood. I have risen from the grave. And this is incredibly important because Jesus is making a point. He says, I am not a ghost. I am not simply here as a spirit. I have done something that no one else has done. I have conquered sin, death, and hell, and I am alive again. And this is the kind of life he wants to give to you and me. Is look, four things this morning, four things that God is asking us to believe, four things that are absolutely real, that it will give you peace if we will believe this good news. The first one is this, God's power is real. God's power is real. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Because what Jesus has done is something that no human has ever done. No one ever in all of human history has conquered death. Think about all of the heroes of human history. The names that we can still recount, though they lived hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago. The Aristotles or the Plato's or the Alexander the, the Great or uh, whatever other people you think of. What might be a, a philosopher or a general or a leader or a, a political leader. Whoever it might be, great as though they might have been. Not a one of them has ever conquered death. You see, there's an enemy that lays every single human being low. No matter how powerful those people are, how rich they were, how influential they were, how smart they were, not a one of them had the power to overcome death. What Jesus has done on Resurrection Sunday is unique. It has never happened. Jesus Christ rose from the grave never to die again. He has power in himself to say, I lay down my life and I take my life right back up again. He died and he rose again. That changes everything because it means he's not a ghost. You see, I think for some of us, we would actually prefer for Jesus to be a ghost at this point, would we not? Which that begs another question, do you believe in ghosts, right? That's a question. Do you believe in ghosts? And some of you go, well, no, right? I, I don't know how you feel about that, but most of us might say no, but maybe, I don't know, kind of. So some of you go, oh no, Adam, I believe in ghosts. I saw one. I mean, you, you're in, right? <laughs> here's the truth. The answer is no, okay? You don't believe in ghosts. You don't. I do. You don't. And here's how I know that to be true. 
because um, you don't actually expect ghosts to impact your daily life. You don't. You have never expected a ghost to impact your daily life. If you get up in the morning and you check Google only to find out the traffic is terrible between here and your workplace, you have never once said, oh man, the ghosts are at it again. You have never said that. You have never even thought it. You don't worry that ghosts are gonna have any actual impact on your day, which is why you might say you believe in them, but you don't actually live as if they're going to impact your life. For some of us, we would actually prefer for Jesus to be a ghost. Because if Jesus is a ghost, he doesn't impact my day. You see, if Jesus is just a ghost, I can dismiss him. I can talk to him or not talk to him. I can pray to him or not pray to him. I can interact with him or not interact with him, but it doesn't matter because he's just a ghost and it's not actually going to impact my life. Some of us would actually prefer that. Here's what the resurrection takes away from us. We never get to say Jesus is just a spirit. He is the living son of God. He died and he rose again. He is alive with a physical body. Even now, he has conquered death. The enemy that laid low every single human being that will lay you and I low at some point in our lives and we have zero power to stop it. Jesus Christ has overcome death. This is why the news is good news is because we serve a savior who has power over death. His power is real. Here's the second thing. But that also means sin is real. Sin is real. You might say, okay, Adam, he's got all this power, then how come he let himself be killed? If he's so powerful, then why in the world is he dying on a cross? If I had that power, I wouldn't let that happen to me. Why is he dying? Because our sin is real. It is not the Jews who kill Jesus. It's not the Romans who kill Jesus. Quite literally, it is us who do it. It's our sin. You see, our sin has real consequences. When you and I make choices to look at God's life and say, no. To look at God's ways and say, no, I'm gonna do what I want. Please don't underestimate this fact. Our sins have consequences. Now look, that's a hot take in our culture, isn't it? Nobody wants to believe that anymore. In fact, it's taboo to talk about sin. It might be a sin to talk about sin. Work that out. But that's the one thing you can't say, Adam, you can't tell somebody that what they're doing is wrong. Adam, they can decide that for themselves. How dare you judge anybody else? Everybody gets to make up their own rules, but you can't impose your rules on anybody else. It's a free for all. But, but listen, you can't call something sin. You can call that for yourself, but you can't call any action sin. We can't abide that because if we do, here's what that means. It would mean that there is an authority over all of us and we hate that. It means that there's somebody other than me who gets to say what's right and wrong. It means that there's somebody other than me who's actually in charge and that I'm gonna have to give an account to in my life. And that terrifies us. We found another ghost. We want sin to be a ghost. We'd prefer sin to be this antiquated idea that used to be here, but now it's not. And it doesn't really bother you. Well, here's the problem. Our, our, our sin is real. Jesus said it all throughout his ministry. He says, the wages of sin is death. All sin leads to death, period, end of story. And just because that death does not follow immediately upon the action that we commit does not change the fact that all sin leads to death. The older that we are, the more we should understand this. Because you've had time to see actions from your past finally come due in the end, haven't you? 
things that we did in our early life that are now bearing terrible fruit in our later life. What you will find is, is that when you and I choose sin, it absolutely leads to death. Don't underestimate it. All of our actions have consequences. So why does Jesus die? Because sin is real. He dies a real death on a real cross. He suffers real pain. By the way, nobody doubts this. Nobody dies that Jesus actually was tortured and executed. Some people might deny that he rose from the grave. Nobody denies that he actually died on the cross. The Romans knew they killed him. The the question wasn't, how did he fool us? How did he get away? They said, no, we kill people good. They knew. They said, we killed him. He was dead. Jesus says, the reason I had to die is because you have very real sins to be paid for. If that were not the case, then why would he go through real pain? Why would he go through a real death? If our sin wasn't real for some of us, we need to wake up to the fact that we don't get to say, ah, it's not that big a deal. Ah, this one's really not all that much of a sin. Ah, it probably won't be all that bad. I'm not nearly as bad as somebody else. Okay, our sins have consequences and it costs the death of Jesus Christ. Our sin is real. Here's the third thing. But that also means his love is real. You see, sin's the bad news. We're dying because of our sin. But here's the good news. You might say, well, then why is he dying? He has a very easy answer that he said all throughout his ministry, because I love you. Jesus Christ says clearly, the reason I have died on the cross is to save you from your sins. And the reason I'm willing to do that is nobody is forcing me. Nobody is making me. I don't have an ulterior motive. I simply do this out of love for you. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We don't deserve for God to love us. And God loves us anyway. Look, this is the one thing we're all after. We all want to be loved, do we not? We wanna be accepted We want people to care for us and to love us. Well, we have a problem. Most of us say, Adam, if people really knew me, if they knew all I thought, if they knew all I had done, I don't know if anyone would actually love me. Here's the dark reality. That's probably true. Here's the good news of the gospel. The God of the heavens knows everything you've ever done and everything you've ever thought and anything you have ever said or anything you will do. He has seen you at your darkest moments and says this, I still find you so valuable. I will die on the cross to save you that you might be with me forever. That is the greatest love you will ever encounter. Why do we search this world looking for for sex and money and power and influence and comfort and, and all the things of this world that continually disappoint us? We get most of the things we're looking for and it's never enough and we vainly keep running after, no, the next one. If I just had more, maybe another relationship, another promotion, another house, another activity, another experience, another, another thing, then I'll be happy. Do we not see it's not working? But the Lord says this, I love you even when everybody else wouldn't, I do. That is the love that can set you free. That is the love that gives you joy and peace in a world of bad news. The bad news that's true about us, God says, I love you so much, I am willing to give my very life for you. You say, Adam, but but I don't know about me. Adam, you don't know what I've done, and I don't. 
Adam, he might love other people, but I just don't know if he can love me. I can absolutely tell you that he can. He can. Do you know how I know that? Because within weeks of Jesus coming back, his disciples are gonna go preaching. They're gonna share this good news and this message. Do you know who some of the very first people who hear this message are? The people who signed his death certificate. The people who signed his death warrant. Caius or Annas, Caiaphas. The very people who condemned Jesus to die, Peter will preach to them and says, by Jesus Christ, all people can be saved. Hey, if they can be saved, you can be saved. Jesus Christ did not come back to go on a revenge tour. He could have, by the way. That's the plot of every horror film you've ever seen, right? He died, but now he's back, right? That's not what Jesus does. Jesus rises from the grave to say this. I want repentance and forgiveness of sins to be preached to all nations, starting right here, which means you can be saved, you can be loved, you can be accepted, you can be forgiven because Jesus loves you. What would happen if you actually believed that? And stopped minimizing it. Stopped rejecting it. Just accept it. That leads to the fourth thing. Eternal life is real. Eternal life is real. Jesus Christ dies and comes back. And he says, I have eternal life to give you. It means that there's more than what you and I see. There's more than just the material world, the physical world. He says, no, when I offer you eternal life, there is real eternal life. And I want you to live in me forever. Ever, there's more than just what you and I can see. Don't settle for the things of this world. Jesus Christ is offering you eternal life. The resurrection proves it. And he's offering it to you. What if you just believed that? What if you believed that good news? You know, I say, yeah, but Adam, I, I still don't know if I can. Adam, how can I believe this? What if this is all just a legend? It's just a book you're reading out of. What are these just stories made up by somebody? How can I possibly believe that this is actually true? Well, that, my friend, is gonna take faith. But I will tell you this. Do you know what happened with all these disbelieving people in this passage? The people who just didn't know what to do with Jesus, and that persisted, by the way, for a little while. Do you know what these people did the next coming months and years? They would spend their lives telling everybody about Jesus. And when they did so, you know what it would cost them? It cost them their jobs. Some of them got run out of town. They had to move. They lost friendships and relationships. They lost the respect of many of their family and friends. And yes, many of them would lose their lives. They'd be given an option. Hey man, you can live as long as you just reject this Jesus guy. And they said, no, I'll take him over you. And they would gladly lose their lives Rather than give up on Jesus, why would they do this if Jesus is nothing but a spirit? They had experienced eternal life in Jesus and said nothing in this world compares. And those witnesses gave it to more who gave it to more, which is why today you and I are celebrating with billions of brothers and sisters around the world who say he has risen, he has risen indeed because our Savior is alive, he loves us, he can forgive you and you and I can have eternal life in him. That is the good news. That is why we celebrated Easter. And so look, if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, as we celebrate Easter once again, 
I know some of you have been through terrible things this year. This world is hard. This world is broken. There are bad things that happen in this life. But regardless of what you have struggled with or are struggling with, the Lord says, I have conquered the evil of this world and you cannot be snatched out of my hand. And because I have risen from the grave, you will be with me forever. Take comfort and joy in the fact that Jesus Christ is alive today. Amen. And for all my friends here who might say, Adam, I wish I could believe that. I just don't yet. I get that. I've been there. In fact, we've all been there at some point in our life. But I wonder if today might be the day that you finally made a choice to believe in him. A choice that simply says, I don't have all my questions answered. I don't know if I could ever answer all your questions But I choose to believe that Jesus is not only alive, he died, rose again. And I believe what he said, that there can be forgiveness when I repent. You see, that's the action. We we, we turn from our ways. Uh, Belief does not simply mean agreeing that that might be true. Belief means this. Uh, I'm gonna turn away from my life, turn away from the vain idea that I'm in control. I'm gonna stop trying to defend all of my sins and instead I'm just gonna come to Jesus knowing that I don't deserve it but recognizing that he loves me anyway. He can forgive me. He's already paid for my sins and I want new life in him because nothing in this world satisfies. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. What if today was the day you put your faith and trust in the risen Savior? I would encourage you to do so because that is when you will experience the peace of love, acceptance, and eternal life that cannot be taken away from you. He is risen and you will rise with him. So do this for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes where you're at. I'm going to invite the choir to come back on stage. They're going to lead us in a final song. We're going to be able to worship the Lord together. But as they prepare to lead us, I wonder if today you might just look in your heart and say, am I believing the bad news or the good news? Am I obsessing over the bad news of this world? Am I vainly trying to either just to ignore it or to fix it on my own? Maybe you say, Adam, I'm, uh, I'm not making this up. I've got terrible things going on in my life. I don't doubt it. Uh, I've heard all kinds of stories of the things that have happened this year. But it doesn't change the fact that regardless of what you are struggling with, there is a Savior who is greater than your troubles, who is greater than your sins, who is greater Then sin, death, and hell, he has come because he loved you. He died because he loved you. He rose again because he's powerful enough to do so. And he offers you eternal life because he loves you. Let's today celebrate that fact. So Father, thank you. Thank you for the love that you give. Thank you for the life that we have in you. Lord, we have reason to have peace and hope and joy today because of who you are. So we love you. We give you praise. Thank you in a hopeless world that you give us hope. In a world without peace, you give us peace. In a world that does not love us, you give us love. And when we cannot forgive ourselves, you forgive us. Thank you, Lord, for your death and resurrection. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand up with me if you will. Let's worship the Lord this morning.